When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tar Pit for week two, leg three, and I would say the end of Amazing Race 33.1 as we bid adieu to life before the coronavirus pandemic, both in the Amazing Race and reality TV as a whole, it seems. My name is Mike Bloom, bringing back the Tar Pit, our sort of odds and ends, funs and games wrap up of this past week in the Amazing Race here with another panel to talk about a trip to scotland that saw not just one team leave but many teams leave for 19 months and some came back so we have a lot to talk about between the legs between the shutdown between the restart a lot happening of course i would not be able to do this without one of the co-hosts of the amazing race podcast proper jessica lease jess how are you i'm doing great mike i'm glad we didn't take 18 months in between tar pits i yeah i, I like i like this every week business this is great it feels nice right like if the race can't be normal we should be even though normal is of course in quotations given the way that i opened this past week's podcast yeah well i was gonna start talking about the tar pit being all nice and gooey but i'm like i don't want to go full bloom this this week we're just not gonna even go we hit our quota right now we are overflowing the barrel at this point cannot even put a lid on it yeah Uh, it runneth over but once again, uh, Rob is not able to join us, but we have a really fantastic guest to bring on because he really is, I would say, one of the staples of a reality TV commentary just out there in the universe. He's most well known for his opinions on Big Brother on Survivor. So when I see Taron Armstrong see that he's going to hop on a stream and talk about Amazing Race, uh, color me a little bit shocked, but we felt the perfect week to bring him on considering that as a self-proclaimed robot, he knows a bit or two about reboots. So happy to welcome Taryn to the Tar Pit. How's it going, Taryn? You know, I'm I'm doing all right, Mike. When you when you first asked me to be here, I thought you were challenging me to a race. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like you're apt to do that. I was very excited about that. So when I showed up and we were talking about the amazing race, I was kind of disappointed, but we'll make it through. We'll make it. Get in line, all right? It'll. Yeah. We're, this is just a, a various queue of people, apparently, that I've that I've already started to run. A presumptive race that doesn't even exist yet. Yep. I, I, I gotta be honest, Taryn, having you on the podcast to talk about Amazing Race, 
after only having heard you talk about Big Brother mostly, it's kind of like seeing your teacher at the supermarket. <laughs> like this is totally out of context. I'm really, really excited to to hear what you have to say. It's like, oh my God, he's holding a cantaloupe. He's just like a normal human being. <laughs> Well, I I feel like you you're probably the person that works at the supermarket then because I feel like you you're like an expert at the cantaloupe and I'm coming in with these like very uninformed opinions on the amazing race. I have seen every season, most of them at least half of them twice. Uh but um but I you know, I listen to you guys uh and you're like, you know, quoting off teams from, you know, I remember like the hippies Right. Like I remember them. They're probably the only team I remember from the first, like other than flow and in, in that one, like mm-hmm. uh, from the first like 15 seasons. That'd be a fun thing. Taryn takes Sporkle quizzes to figure out <laughs> between the hippies and flow and that one. Uh, what are the teams he knows? Oh yeah. And then, you know, the Colin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Colin, Colin and Christy. Yep, remember them. That's one. Yeah. Yep. Literally one, one person from Robbie the team. Amber. No, That's there's that. two. There you go. Oh. See, it, it's a little bit tougher, right? You have to it remember, I, I've experienced this as well as someone who has gained just like a continuing encyclopedic useless knowledge of these reality TV contestants. Amazing Race is hard. And just, I think you can you can agree with this, right? Because you have to remember twice as many names. Uh, it's you, true. Yeah, it's typically their relations to each other. It's 22 people every season. And you do kind of end up lumping them together as like, they run as a single entity, but it's also... You know, that adds up. It's 22 people per season times 33 seasons. Plus, there's a couple where they had an extra team or two. It, it's a lot. It's 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 amazing that you and I remember any of it, Mike, to be honest. And some of them kind of blur together in the middle. Yeah. So that being said, Taryn, uh, despite maybe some nominal aphasia, uh, as you said, you've watched so much Amazing Race. Which, again, I, I mentioned this on the podcast. It, it might surprise people a little bit because I would say this is not necessarily the most like game heavy show out there, which seems to be more of your your bread and butter and yogurt. But tell me, you know, what has kept you along with the race for so many years, sometimes even twice over when it comes to certain seasons? Um, you know, it, it was it was primarily that it was just one of the big three shows back in the day. Right. It was uh, I felt like I was supposed to watch it because I liked Big Brother and Survivor. Um, and, and I think what drew me to it is, is, you know, a lot of what Maggie said in the, in the previous carpet here, uh, I was always drawn to the relationships between the, uh, the contestants, um, especially in the early days, it was a huge thing. And, and, you know, there was definitely an element of like hate watching the people that were mean to each other being like, no, you're so mean and not wanting them to win. Um, and, uh, and really rooting for the people that were nice and supportive to each other. Uh, that was a big part of it. Um, and then I kind of fell off of it for a little while and I went back and I rewatched like the everything. Um, and it, the reason I got through the rewatch is because of the strength of season one for me. Mm. Um, season one is so vastly different to almost the entirety of the rest of the, the amazing race. Um, and, and I really loved it. I mean, it just like drew me in. Uh, you know, it's, there's, it's very dated in a lot of ways, but it really takes the time to like make you feel like you're traveling with them and you get the sense that this is new and it's, and it's, and it's, uh, it's interesting and it's exciting. And, you know, the amazing race nowadays, I, I look at it more as kind of like it's, it's popcorn TV. Uh, it's, it's on. Um, you know, the, the pacing is so fast. Everything is just happening, happening, happening. And, 
Uh, there's very little sort of emotional involvement for me anymore. But that first season of The Amazing Race uh, was was emotional and it was fun. And um, and I think that that concept uh, stays with me, even though uh, it, the, 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 that feeling is gone. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we should also mention, Jess, uh, because there was no Amazing Race on last fall, we did miss out on the big 20th anniversary of season one. Wow. That, I, I feel super old now because... <gasps> That, there's, I can't believe any of these shows have been on for 20 years, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild to think about. And I would really encourage you, I don't know if you've checked this out, Taryn, but uh, Andy Denhart, I think, did like an oral history or some sort of like voluminous article about the 20th anniversary of season one. And I mean, I totally agree with you. Season one was something that really did hook me from the start just because of how different it was in so many ways, separate from a big brother and a survivor in that it was about competition, but like cooperation at the same time and so well maybe there are still elements that that exist there I, I encourage people to check it out especially since all again put out amazing race seasons one through 25 currently available on disney plus in canada so if you want to if this if this is just a taste of your first amazing race and you're like oh, i want to see you know it take place in once again a very weird time for the world be sure to check out season one yeah like how much of this are I, I have not gone back and watched any Amazing Race yet. And the first few episodes of this season was already weird enough. I don't know how I'm going to feel if I eventually go back and do a full season rewatch. This is going to be it's it's going to be hard in a lot of ways, I think. So that being said, let's focus on season 33 now, jumping forward those decades. So, Taryn, you know, as you're enjoying the popcorn TV of this season, what's the taste of the popcorn to you? Obviously, we are finishing up kind of what is going to be probably specifically very different in a tonal setting from what's to come in the next few weeks. But this is probably the closest we'll get this season to quote unquote proper amazing race. What have you thought about the season up to this point? I mean, I've, I've thought it was, is fine. You know, I think that uh, the thing about the amazing race is that it's, it's always um, because the pace is so fast and it's so uh, trying to be engaging at all times. It, it is, it's engaging and it's fun to watch. Um, you know, it, it it never tends to like be elevated beyond just ca- casually fun to watch, but this has been a casually fun to watch season so far. Uh, the teams all had these weird, interesting backgrounds and stories. Um, it was like, what, what tragedy has befallen this person? Um, and that was, that was fun. Uh, one of the reasons why I barely remember teams is because I don't remember their names. I just call them the whatever, um, mm-hmm. like uh, the train bros or uh, the twins or, whatever. Right. Um, and so I like when they're like, they have like these distinguishable stories. Um, it, it's, uh, it helps, helps me, uh, you know, call them a, a thing. And, uh, and it was, it was fine. You know, I, I, I was enjoying it. I was weirdly, I, and I'm, I know, I know this might not be something that, um, that everybody thought, but I was looking forward to the cancellation because it was something different and interesting. And I was, I was curious about the, the, the emotion of it, the feeling of it. Like, um, you know, how would people respond to it? How would people react to it? Um, and, and what kind of, how would they portray it? Um, so that was something that I was very curious about, uh, coming in. Yeah. I mean, you also covered Big Brother Canada 8, which mm-hmm. actually probably in a similar time frame. I can't remember how many weeks before or after, uh, in 2020 it happened, but also shut down production due to COVID-19. 
did not come back. Uh, and I do feel like we got like a whole episode dedicated to that, right? And having everyone react to leaving the house and just the game suddenly stopping short. How do you compare that to what you ultimately saw at the end of last week's episode? Incredibly different. I mean, Big Brother Canada, they they made a meal of it. And, you know, I, I think there are probably, again, different takes on this. Maybe some people don't care to uh, have to experience this or relive this uh, again. Um, some people probably wouldn't care to make a meal of something this serious. Um, for me, I've always processed things. I've always learned to process things through the expression of them in, in art. Um, and so, I, you know, I would have loved to have spent a little more time here. Um, you know, like what was in what, what was going on in the heads of the contestants um, prior to this? Were they aware that this was happening, that this could happen? Were they scared that it might happen? Were they disappointed? How disappointed were they? Are they sad? Uh, do they feel like they're going to be able to come back? What went on in the heads of the producers? Like, I would have loved to have gotten like uh, sort of an, a behind the scenes of like, um, I don't know if we can continue doing this. What kind of discussion was that? Um, I, this is this is something that I would have loved to see. But but the Amazing Race again in modern times, not really interested in diving deep into this sort of thing. Um, they they care about the the formula of the show. Uh, the, mm. the challenges, the, the travel, the places, um, and they don't like to deviate. They don't really like to make an emotional meal out of much of anything. Um, and that is disappointing to me, but you know, it is, it is the show and it's consistent with the show. And so, you know, I can accept it. Well, to be fair, Taryn, how much of that is like the contrast between Big Brother Canada and, and this, how much of that is just the time frame? Because Big Brother Canada, unfolded in real time like we watched people basically live reacting to what was about to happen and this one we had almost two years for the editors to decide how much they wanted to tell that story and also to see how circumstances played out so i think they may have made the conscious choice not to see what was going on in everybody's heads just because how we would have reacted to that in real time is very different to how we're reacting to it now with a combination of, you know, fatigue being a really important thing. Like, I don't know if I want to watch people on TV reacting to life because I'm living life right now. <laughs> it's an interesting point. What I do sort of wonder is if there could have been almost like a happy medium where I'm thinking about RuPaul's Drag Race UK season two kind of talking out of my butt here so maybe one of the drag race podcasters out there who's listening can correct me i believe they did sort of like it's not to say COVID 19 special because that implies some sort of star-studded variety show <laughs> uh but they essentially did an episode where they and they made the announcement that the the season would be sort of like in suspension uh and then they sort of did a special where they showed what everyone had kind of been up to during the uh during the hiatus before things came back and look you know when we came back we talked about this at the end of the recap podcast there are teams that are missing uh there might be some some you know familiar faces that come back as well that will sort of pepper in discussion about throughout this because now officially since we've discussed that there has been a promo that is aired that just outright says uh what the dealio is so uh again if you really don't want to be spoiled about wednesday actively avoid any social media around the amazing grades because now they're outright just giving away the ending in that regard but i do wonder if they had the ability to 
Jeffs, what do you think about this idea of doing sort of a special where, because I think there, it was also said, it's obviously not going to be shown, but I think there was a point where like Phil talked with each of the teams that came back about what their lives had been like, you know, in the, in the interim. Is that something that you think would be fine? Or are you good to sort of like what the show is doing? Just say, we're back. Let's just move on with the race. And maybe we'll find out as they continue to race. I think Phil said they have that kind of stuff in the can. So I don't mind seeing a little bit of it because I'm curious about, I'm especially curious. I want to know what happened to the other four teams. I think they must have, they have to tell us, right? Um, but I don't need a ton of it. I don't need a whole like Oprah interview where we sit down on the couch and go through everybody's, you know, feelings about it. But there's, you know, we can sprinkle in a little bit of it. Like, like I said in the recap, I want to see, I want to see like the end of Animal House. That's all I need to have. I just need like a, Still image and a little Chiron saying, here's what we've been up to. Yeah. Taryn, I know before we came on, actually, you had said that uh, you had actually felt like there there actually wasn't a cliffhanger, in your opinion, that they were building to. Because I know you're you're also like a connoisseur of editing, given, you know, uh, what you do outside of podcasting. So I can imagine that much like Maggie talked about last week, the Amazing Race edit is of interest to you. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's the idea of like, oh, well, we don't want to spoil the cliffhanger. But I, I, I genuinely don't know that they intended it to be a cliffhanger because they are just showing things. You know what I mean? Even in that, in, even even in the episode that we're talking about, they show enough for you to know exactly who came back and who didn't because they're all in the shot. All you need to do is pause the screen or if you're quick and eagle eyed, you can spot it without having to pause the scene. <laughs> um, and then they release a preview with, I'm sure all of those people again. And so it's like, are they even trying to make this a cliffhanger? Cause the, and they, there was no sort of dramatic um, I- I- intent. It felt again, uh, angled toward, Who's coming back? Did everyone come back? Where is everyone? It was just kind of like, you know, 19 months later, here we are. Ready, set, go. Um, and, you know, it, it didn't seem like it was supposed to be a mystery. So, um, so you know, I, I kind of expect that when we come back, it's not going to be like, and here they are. These are the teams. It's going to be like, and so these teams had to come back and these teams are gone. Let's get going. Um, and so, like, I, I don't even know that there's a point to remaining unspoiled, really. Yeah, it's an interesting point. And, and we'll certainly get into it because, again, like to your point, whether they wanted to or not, CBS has just outright put the information out there. Uh, and I mean, I, I do think also based on what I saw, I think, Jess, unfortunately, we are going to be missing a bit of that Animal House epilogue uh, where it really does just seem like, yeah, they're not coming back. You can do your digging online if you want to, but otherwise, you're good. Uh, the, here's some other teams. Let's keep going through Switzerland or wherever we are. They're basically going to do the LMGTFY. And now I'm trying I, to spell things out. If you go to the L, LMGTFY.com. Oh, yeah, let me Google that for you. Yeah. Yeah, let me Google that for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, you know, you want to know this information, you could have searched it up yourself. Although, Mike, I don't think you could have searched it up yourself because it took you. The person who probably knows the the most about these contestants outside of anybody that directly works for the show or, you know, lives on reality fan forum. You're the person that had to dig this stuff up and it wasn't easy. You can't just Google their names and and have it explained to you. Yeah, and I'm not even affiliated with soap operas and I'm somehow uh, key to this information. But yeah, it does take a lot of sleuthing to find out what happened. And I will be intrigued 
once I would assume some sort of embargo passes once the episode actually airs, though, again, that information is out there. Will the teams come out on social media and be like, hey, here's what happened? Or is it more so just going to be like, yeah, we're not going to be on the amazing race. Let's let's keep going. On that note, actually, let's start getting into our feedback, uh, because, of course, we have some great listeners of the podcast. Uh, they wrote in with their own feedback. Of course, you can do that at robhasawebsite.com slash T-A-R questions, not T-A-R-A-N questions. That goes to a very different person. Uh, but let's start with something. And I will mention here, we are going to be discussing the teams that did not come back briefly. So if you do not want to know that, I would very heavily suggest you skip ahead, let's say about two minutes or so. But I kind of want to get this talk off the bat so that we can go through the rest of the podcast focusing on the episode proper. So again, if you do not want to know the teams that do come back, uh, I would say skip ahead, come back to the recap proper uh, or to the tar pits proper, and we'll move on from there. But we got a question from Jordan that I think has certainly been asked a lot in lieu of this very unprecedented situation. And again, it relates a bit to Tara and some speculation that happened with Big Brother Canada 9 this past year. Jordan says, do you think we'll see Connie and Sam, Anthony and Spencer, or Taylor and Isaiah, or Carol and, and Ray, I guess we could do a different type of situation, on a future season? Do you think CBS will give them another chance because the race ended through no fault of their own, maybe on the next season or with a season with returnees? Jess, what do you think? What do you think the chances are of should they do it and will they do it? I think it would be weird. I always think it's weird. And I feel this way about Survivor as well. And I think they've done something similar in Big Brother to just like take somebody from another season and plunk them down in a, in a brand new season. I don't like that ever. Didn't like it on Survivor. I guess Big Brother did like the coaches thing. Or the, or the one where they brought back like the four randos and I I feel like it unfairly advantages people that have done it before and I really if they're going to bring these people back I want to see it in a future season where they're all returnees and I feel like those people like having run three legs is probably going to disadvantage them a bit but I would love to see them come back in the mix of like an unfinished business two situation where we just say mm. like, here's people that got you turned at a bad spot or here's people that, you know, they, they couldn't settle this rivalry between them and another team. I don't know. I'm making stuff up. I'm not coming up with specific examples today. Um, but yeah, bring them back and say, like bring back two of them and say, we didn't get to finish the race because of the world. And now we're back, but I don't know. I'm going to have to know a lot more about how, the amazing race looks in this in these in these current times before i can say whether or not i want that sort of thing for them yeah karen what's your take because again i know leading up to big brother canada nine a lot of people were like why uh, can season eight contestants get a chance i know that's the speculation always going into bb can 10 as well what is your sort of stance i guess towards that general idea and how it applies maybe to this season of the amazing race yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of a, a weird thing for Big Brother because, you know, uh, yeah, the Amazing Race, yeah, you have a couple of legs of experience, but you're also, uh, there's not like any severe disadvantage necessarily, whereas like in Big Brother, uh, you know, if some people went back, their games have been exposed. Like people know how they play. They also have some experience, though. It could go either way. 
Um, and, you know, either way, you're never going to be able to give them the setup that they had in their season. Whereas, you know, the amazing race pretty much resets itself every leg or two. Um, and, you know, maybe you have some momentum, maybe you're in a certain shape or whatever, but not to the degree that Big Brother is its own unique experience uh, each season. Um, so uh, it, it's different in that way. But uh, in terms of like bringing them back I, again, though, I, I don't think that they're really making much of a meal of this. Like, is there going to be a large amount of like, oh, no, this is so tragic. We really wish that we could see these people back because this is so sad that they had to leave or are they gone and we're never going to see them again and we're going to completely forget that they exist. And the biggest upside to bringing them back is, uh, you know, a 30 second intro where they go, we were on the amazing race, but unfortunately and tragically we had to go and now we're back, uh, which is totally possible. But I think it's a lot more just like eh, if it's convenient and we really think that they'd be good, then sure, we'll bring them back. Uh, but I don't think it'll, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing where they'll be like, we really need to do this because people really care. Cause I, I don't think they're leaning into that. Yeah. yeah uh, people have the memory of a goldfish on this show. Um, <laughs> you do, you do raise an interesting point, Taryn. I think they're going to make a bigger meal out of the fact that the two eliminated teams get to come back. Mm. I think that's going to be the bigger headline here. And if they do ever bring back a team that didn't get to finish, they're going to spend a few seconds on it and it's going to be part of a bigger story. Like everybody gets their own story. It's not going to be this all consuming piece of it. It reminds me a lot, Jess, of the most recent season of Big Brother about Amazing Race Canada, right? Where it was the theme was second yep. chances and it was a bunch of quote unquote civilian teams but they brought back one returning team that did not win as sort of their own <laughs> redemption yeah, story. They really didn't win. Yeah, I, I, so I could very much see that sort of theming if they wanted to go along with that. That has sort of been also the casting theming. I could say if they do end up going with a second chance is not literally from a game perspective, but like a second chance in life almost, I could see them bringing back, let's be candid here, with no offense to the other teams, I think Anthony and Spencer have to be the chalk pick that they would bring back of these four, right? If they only had one pick. Yeah, and, and I think Maybe. also like, sorry, <laughs> I, I think also like no. they're, their story would still like their story is still more interesting than the story of, well, we were on the amazing race, but then it got canceled and we couldn't come back. So it'd still yeah, yeah. be like, and these are the guys that, you know, were on a train um, and, and everything. Although that's the easiest, that seems like the easiest type of team to cast. So if we want to talk about, I don't think we're ever going to see Carol and Ray, we can just X them out. I mean, but, yeah, they almost X themselves out in a manner yeah. of speaking. <laughs> yeah, they are. They have, yeah, it's a self Xing. Um, but I think we have a, I think we have a better chance. Actually, no, Connie and Sam are also an easy type of team to cast. Like, the, that's like every single person that watches the show is going to cast themselves with their partner. So, yeah, I think, actually, you're probably right, Taryn. If that's the team we're going to see, like, if we're going to see one of these teams, that's probably the one we're going to see. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. We got a question from the other sort of side of this. As just mentioned, we are also bringing back two teams in the form of Michael and Mo and Arun and Natalia. Uh, first off, Taryn, any thoughts about this just from like a game design perspective makes sense to you to just bring back the teams and essentially do a soft restart of the race proper? Well, my initial thought was, no, they wouldn't do this because um, and, and definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it feels weird to me. The idea that there's a team that could theoretically win that has completely not even done an entire leg or two of the whole race um, like that just feels weird to me. Uh, in a way that it doesn't feel as weird even on Big Brother or Survivor. Uh, however, considering the fact that they lost four teams, I- I'm like, oh, do, do what you need to do. Like, uh, you, you need to salvage this in any way that you can. Jess, we got a question on that note from Guatemala asks, when, when not all teams could return, should producers have considered alumni to replace them in addition to returning teams? Or what would the race be like if only half of a team returned i.e. Dusty came back with a different partner because Ryan couldn't. And I sort of posited this when we talked about how with Anthony and Spencer, it seems like I think Anthony was the one who had gotten injured. I mean, do you think production would have entertained the option of Spencer coming back with, as Rob calls him, the third one? Uh, or, you know, if it's like Connie and Sam, and for, if for some reason Sam decides to race, he like races with his brother instead of Connie for the reboot. Here's what I think I would have rather seen in that circumstance. I would have rather seen like, obviously, Connie can't go. Sam could go. And we know Anthony couldn't go. Could Sam and Spencer run as a team? Mm. I would rather see a Franken team in that instance than try to go to the well of, um, you know, previous people that have run the amazing race on seasons past. Because I think, you know, I'm on record as how I feel about that idea. Yeah, it's very much out of like the challenge, right? When it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this person's rival went home, so we brought in another rival, and this person mm-hmm. is your rival. Like, I, I like that idea of, uh, what was it, the partner swap they did a few seasons ago? This yeah. is just a season-long version of that. Exactly. Like, put your keys in the bowl, and whoever you get, that's your partner. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, grab a clue, and whatever name is on the clue is who you end up picking. Yeah, I mean, we've done it before. We could do it again. Yeah, exactly. What do you think, Taryn? You think uh, mixing up the teams would be an interesting way to sort of get those people back without necessarily needing to reset the board too much? Yeah, I mean, if that was an option, you know, if they if if it really was that, you know, there was one person from each team that was willing to come back or capable of coming back, then uh, I don't see the uh, like, I think that's a, a much better option to pair them off. Because, again, it, there's just something weird about somebody joining late or even even just missing a leg. 
uh, that's like, like if they win, like you didn't do the whole trip. Like that's weird. <laughs> yeah, you missed a leg of the trip, quite literally. You just sort of like uh, skipped out for that portion. I would very much recommend that you do not watch the most recent season of The Amazing Race Australia because apparently <laughs> I was they just about to mention. do that up the wazoo. Not only with uh, teams coming back, but also teams just they call them intruders. I think much like in a Big Brother style, just showing up in the middle of the race. Like, it's yeah, the right over. Like, it's, it's, it's like uh, even a relay race. Like they're all there at the start. Nobody like just like comes in. <laughs> like it's not like oh, it's we're running a marathon and oh, somebody joined in on mile twenty four. Uh, like what? No, that's not the point. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I think the people that won Amazing Race Australia had been there the whole time. They didn't like Underwood it up, but they <laughs> they did have a circumstance where like a team got eliminated or team quit. And yeah. then they said, OK, the team that got eliminated in the previous leg, you guys aren't quitters. You want to be here. OK, you can come back. Yeah, so I think they missed out on one leg, but it's still an odd thing to see that little gray block in their, uh, you know, leg history yeah. page. Let's move on from talking about the next time on and talking about the leg proper, because. Jess, we got to break out this delightful song again. I want to do a little bit more Amazing Race 101. So oh, here, yeah. we, here we go. Amazing Race 101. So we got a few questions uh, from Amazing Race fans about like different tactics that were taken in this leg specifically. Let's talk about what befell poor Arun and Natalia. First off, Taryn, give me your thoughts on Arun and Natalia. Seems like they were, from my own census of the internet, like fairly popular team. Uh, Did you enjoy them through their few legs of the race? I did. I felt like they were one of the more standout uh, teams in terms of just their dynamic and the way that they uh, struggled (laughs) often. and I, I, I enjoyed them. The, the scene in the convenience store where, you know, he, the dad is disappointed that he screwed up and she's like, no, um, was great. Again, I, I love, I love the supportive teams. I'm very on, you know, very with Maggie on this. Like, uh, that's, that's again, that's what I often would watch for is like, uh, okay, who's, who's nice to each other? I'm going to root for them. Who's mean to each other? I'm going to be like, I hope they lose. Uh, and, so I really enjoyed that. I thought it was fun, and um, and, and they do they do struggle in in the challenges like the the darts. It was mm-hmm. they had to struggle through, and you know the decision to switch tasks from the barrels was terrible. I mean, it was just it was very bad, uh, and you know they they definitely like earned their loss here. But I, I'm I'm curious to see how they're gonna do. You know potentially uh in the future so on that note we did get a question about switching detours i feel like we actually didn't talk that much about the idea of switching detours just during our feed our our recap show for amazing race newbies so raymond asks how common is it for teams to switch detours like arun and natalia furthermore has a team ever been unable to do either side of the detour i think we can go back for the second half of that question we can go back to amazing race 15 and there was a team of women who were professional poker players and they were in, I think the Netherlands and it was pouring rain. The two tasks, one of them was like the strong man game where you have a hammer and you have to hit a hundred pound boulder on your shoulder. Basically. Yeah. So you had to hit the, you had to hit this target with a hammer really hard to make the bell ring. And the other half was like a Frisbee golf course, I think. 
and it was freezing cold and raining and they kept switching back and forth trying to find one that they could physically do and at a certain point they just like threw in the towel because there was no way they were going to physically be able to complete either end of the detour so that is a thing that happens um i'm thinking also i think a memorable task switch would have been um season 13 we had um the team dandrew had a task where they had to either serve soup or march in formation. Was that oh, it, no. Mike? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I remember. I specifically remember the marching because Dandrew marching is like when you try to teach a, a robot like human yep. behavior. The marching was just a hilariously abysmal. Yeah, I can't remember. Was it serving soup? I can't remember what the other half of the detour was. Uh, maybe but they, it was. Yeah, it was they like switched back and Europe. forth. Yeah, they were at a Russian military base. They switched back and forth a few times until they finally got the marching. And not my proudest moment, but um, that year at Tarkon, I was, I had probably had a few too many, and I went right up to them and showed them how easy it was to march in formation. And I feel really bad about that. <laughs> yeah so uh it was a detour it was boots or borscht was ah, the detour yes. so yes very self-explanatory so yeah there is a, a history behind it now that being said in terms of quitting the detour so the penalty is currently i believe six hours uh mm -hmm. so if you quit the detour when you check in we have yet to experience a penalty on this season of the amazing race but phil will basically say you are the sixth team to arrive. However, you were unable to complete the detour. Therefore, you know, sit, sit right over there. You have to wait six hours before you can check in. Used to be a lot worse. Uh, going back to Terran's beloved season one, mm -hmm. there was a very big fan favorite team. Uh, so it's, it got eliminated for quitting the detour. They had a 24-hour penalty. So they really did not want people quitting tasks in those, that first season. I mean, at that point, that almost came into play, but that was in yeah. the days when they didn't mind having many, many hours between teams. I like that. I don't need I don't need them to pretend to me that like uh, that everyone is really close all the time. Uh, and the, I also I, it's just uh, sorry to to go off on this again, but no, please. I miss the running. I miss the, the actual foot races. Uh, it never happened. It happened all the time in the in the early season. I don't know how they lay like, lost those. Uh, but bring them back. They're fun. Yeah, I wonder. Just is was there a paradigm shift in the race? Is it the the tasks? Is it the places they're going to? That I feel like. Well, we had a couple of like. I'm thinking specifically the first leg of season thirty between the goat girls and the ring girls. Uh, was like the big foot the big foot race to the map. But I do feel like we are missing that from some of the earlier days where maybe it was a bit more common. Yeah, I think this they have moved away from anything involving the travel because, you know, they're making a meal out of the fact that they have their own plane for the next part of the race. But mm -hmm. it has not been a situation where you have to go up to a ticket counter and book your own tickets in many seasons. They have been on charter flights since at least like season 24 maybe before that. And I think part of the less focus on the getting around aspect is because they're trying to obscure the fact that they're getting around is a lot more regimented. Now they are, they have tightened up the production schedule significantly. So you don't have like all this room to breathe where you're going to catch up. If you're going to catch up, you're going to catch up on the tasks. 
and mm. the focus is on the tasks you're doing. So this is why I don't think that the upcoming episodes are going to feel like that much of a paradigm shift because we've been laser focused on the tasks for many seasons now. And for what it's worth, Taryn, when I talked with the showrunners, they did say that due to the self-driving and it seems like they're being more outdoors just due to the spread of it all. Uh, I specifically was told that it's going to harken back to earlier seasons. So maybe that means that we're going to get some foot races going on. Maybe I'm going to enjoy the season a lot more than most of the recent ones. So you're someone who, uh, you know, orients a lot of, of their analysis behind things like decision making. And this is a little bit of a, of an odder situation, but in your opinion, like, is there a place and a time to think about switching detours or for you, is it always a, basically you should very rarely do it. I, I mean, I think you should very rarely do it. I think that you also need to account for how long does it take to like, you know, change into the clothes for this thing or get into the harness or whatever. Um, I think you have to account for how far away is the other detour uh, or whatever. Uh, like, is it going to take me 20 minutes uh, to get over there? Is there going to be traffic? Like, or am I going to get lost on my way to the other one? Um, or is it like, uh, you know, a few steps away? Uh, I think you have to account for how many people are at this one right now. And do I have to wait while the other people do it uh, in order to do it? You know, am I here first? And can I try it a bunch of times quickly before somebody gets here? Uh, all kinds of stuff like that. I also feel like typically I, I just like, I think get a feel for it. Um, the best case scenario is that you quit very early because you're like, you know what? This really doesn't feel right. And you get over to the other one and you haven't lost too much time uh, as long as it's close by enough. Um, if you if you're like, this really doesn't feel right, but we're going to keep trying because we're not quitters. And then you try for like a half hour uh, and then you're like, OK, we've finally exhausted every possible outcome and it's definitely not going to work. And then you switch. You've wasted a half an hour. Right. Um, so I think you have to consider all of those things. But you, I, I think in general, you know, if you feel like, OK, this is this is doable. Uh, it just might take a little bit of time. Just do it. Uh, I have no idea why they thought the barrel thing was impossible because it did not seem impossible by any by any standard of uh, measuring. So uh, I just I can't uh, I can't abide by that. Yeah, just can we standardize a sweet spot to Terrence's point? Is there like a specific amount of time usually that you could try on a task before you decide? Okay, maybe we should switch. I mean, I've heard. 20 to 30 minutes without improving is the point at which you decide to switch. Because I think the key there is you need to know when you are just treading water and when you're actually making progress. Because if you have got a little bit better at something every time, then yeah, stick with it. You're going to eventually get it. There's also, there are also tasks where, especially physical ones where, uh, like your first few attempts are always going to be your best because afterwards yeah. you're physically going to be degrading and you're going to get worse and worse at the thing that you're trying to do. Um, so those are also ones where it's like, if you've, if you've done like your best efforts in the first couple of rounds and uh, like maybe your skill will get better, but your energy level or whatever is going to go down and it's just going to get more and more difficult. That's another one to probably quickly bail out of and, and do something else. Yeah, I'm thinking of that one that was, um, Gosh, I'm not even sure which season this was when they were in Malta and they had to run up that greased pole. Oh, yeah. Twenty five. That was the that yeah. was this or that. That was the. Yeah, this, this or, that, or that. Right. This or that detour. And that was like we can only think of one task we think these people will be able to complete. So we're just going to throw in something that nobody's ever going to be able to do. And we'll see if people get stuck at it. And that one, 
really felt like if you did it once or twice and you got it by blind luck, then great. But if you didn't get it after that, you got to you got to bail. Right. So we talked about the the driving. Uh, let's get more into the self-driving aspect. Natalie asks, are you surprised it's not a rule that both team members have to have a driver's license? I feel like Caro might be the first person I remember who outright said she couldn't drive. Uh, so just, I guess, outside of the family edition, have we had many people say on The Amazing Race, I don't have a driver's license? I don't think so. It's it's something they actually, I don't know if they do it anymore, but one of the reasons I've never applied is because I don't drive. And they say it right on the application that you must have a driver's license. I think I think that exceptions would be made if you like, if you're from Love couldn't. Island. <laughs> well, yeah, or if you're from Love Island. Um, but I think like I'm thinking of Amazing Race Canada, for instance, that had a racer that they had a, a racer who was blind. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. they're not going to make him drive anything, although they did let him operate heavy machinery. Um, but so you're not supposed to do. <laughs> I know he was so stoked about it, too. He's like, when am I ever going to get to do this again in my life? Uh, I mean, it's a great question. But like if the answer is it's because production's irresponsible to give you that ability. <laughs> As long as you don't get anyone killed, like have at it, guy. Um, I think if there was like a specific physical reason why you could not drive and you and they were reasonably sure you could do like a significant portion of the other tasks they had set for you, I think they'd still cast you because it's an inspiring story. But I believe that you pretty much always have to both at least have a driver's license. And Sometimes, you know, driver's license can mean any number of things. It can mean you got behind the wheel of a car a few times and were able to pass a test, or it could mean you drive every day. Karen, as someone who, uh, you know, really buys into the nice teams being nice and the not-so-nice teams being not-so-nice, how much does the self-driving play into this? Because I feel like this is always just sitting in a car with a time bomb, essentially, for your relationship, just waiting to explode at a certain point. So here's the thing. I, I like, I'm actually on board with the, uh, the notion of like, don't nag the driver, right? Like, don't, 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 don't be like, oh, no, 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 no. Or like, oh, crap. Like, d- that is not helpful to the driver who needs to focus and does not need somebody, uh, constantly distracting them from the, the, the thing that they're trying to do. Um, uh, however, in the situation of uh, Caro and I don't know the guy's name, um, uh, the Love Island team, you know, he uh, like she apologized and he was still being a jerk. Uh, so, you know, uh, even though I was initially like, I agree with the notion of like, please stop. I need to focus on the driving. Um, you know, once somebody apologizes, come on, it's, t- it's time to get over it. I just realized, do you think maybe one of the reasons Ray broke up with Caro is because she does have car in her name and it's just too bad of a memory for what they experienced on the race? I think there were a lot of reasons, Mike, but I'm <laughs> sure it. it could be part of it. 99 it, problems. <laughs> it is. It's It's super, you know, insightful on, you know, because it is, it's a stressful situation, um, you know, especially when there's a time crunch and one of you is is driving and trying to focus on something, and it definitely tests the uh, this sort of like because uh, I, I think there are teams now that understand like I, I, if I'm mean on the race, then people will know that I'm a mean person. So I need to be as as nice as possible. Uh, I'm very image conscious, 
Um, but, uh, but like driving situations, I feel like are some of the, the most, uh, like breaking point situations where they might, uh, they might lose it. Or I guess trying to sing, uh, a, a thing, right? Yeah. Those are the two just most high stress points yeah. in the race, apparently. It's like, put me in a costume and put me in a car <laughs> and I'm liable to, to just break completely. Uh, final feedback question. Jess, this is a question for you from Larry from the Philippines. I would just like to ask if hiring taxis is still allowed that you can follow during legs of the race that are self-driving. Was there a rule imposed that this is not allowed anymore? Uh, and he talks about how, yeah, back during like the, I would say the mid twenties, there was a good habit where if you had a leg with self-driving, you could hire a taxi driver to essentially take you there and then you'd be able to follow them. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jess, have they made that they put a penalty against that in recent seasons, right? I believe. Yeah, it's been at least since the mid-20s, but I think it was well before that, Mike. I don't remember. I think the last time I saw somebody doing that had to be like, there were a lot of legs, there were a lot of races where they there wasn't any self-driving. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to think, I feel like, I feel like Unfinished Business, where you had Kent and Vixen driving all over everywhere. Mm-hmm. And people wondered why they didn't hire a taxi, and I feel like that came up that they weren't allowed to do it anymore but you might remember something that i'm forgetting i'm pretty sure that it's been a really long time since you've been allowed to do that yeah so i'm remembering something with like maybe the stunt brothers from amazing race 14 they did a butt ton of penalties but maybe oh, yeah. one of them was like you were you weren't supposed to hire a taxi to use them as a guide essentially because essentially that's just like hacking it right and using them yeah. as gps i think th- when they first there was a lot of stuff that you were allowed to do that you're not allowed to do anymore because if everybody does it, it breaks the race. If one person does it, it's cool. And then if everybody does it, it's just like, this is a thing now. Uh, one of those things is also like get a local to run the race with you all day and have mm-hmm. this like third person on your team. That used to be a really funny thing that people did. And it's like, oh, wow, what a helpful person this was. That's great. But now if you do that, you get in trouble for that as well. What if you uh, double hired? What if you paid double to uh, get the taxi driver to sabotage them and lead them in the wrong direction? I think, well, Boston Rob used to do that. He used to like pay, <laughs> he used to like pay bus drivers to sabotage the other teams. Yeah. I, I think that's frowned upon. I don't know if you get an actual penalty for it, but I Smile. would imagine that they put the fear of God into these people. It's, it's, as Natalia talks about, it'd be bad karma, I think I would say. To be like, how dare you do this? But then boss, you know, boss are like, I don't care. Stop the bus here. Uh, so yeah, it's it's interesting in that it, it, there's sort of things that teams have done in the past that I think the Amazing Race has kind of like sl- silently phased out over the seasons. Uh, as said, like, you maybe shouldn't be doing that anymore. Let's not encourage this as a common practice because if you do, then it's like everyone does it, and then you've essentially like beaten us at our own game. Let's get into a little bit of social media here. Uh, so I'll give an update first off from the Holderness family continues their podcast. So the Holderness family has been, if you didn't check out our Tar Pit podcast last week, uh, they do weekly vlogs where essentially they talk through their perspective behind the race. Uh, first off, Taryn, I'll turn to you as a fellow content creator, also making his way into the YouTube sphere. Thoughts on the the Holdernesses? I mean, they seem they seem fine. Uh, you know, when when the dad 
got, uh, became a bit of a diva, uh, you know, during the challenge, you know, I, I, like I, I get it. Like they came in, like, this is our thing. We are the experts on singing. And then he screwed up and he felt insecure about it. Um, and I was like, Oh, ah, there it is. Uh Oh, but then immediately, like immediately in the confessional, he was like, I was a diva. Oh boy. Uh, and I was like, okay, I, I, I appreciate a man that admits his faults. Uh, like we'll see, we'll see where this goes. Um, so I'm, I'm still curious to see, uh, how they, how they operate. They definitely, um, they have that sort of like very cheerful persona, um, that, uh, that feels like I, I kind of want to, to feel, want to like see them like, uh, when they're not on, if that yeah. makes sense. Uh, and you know, hopefully we'll get more of that as, as time goes on. But, uh, but it, I, they definitely interest me. They stand out, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, it's this interesting thing, Jess, again, this human psychology element, right, of like, not necessarily I want to see you broken, but, you know, you see so many different shades of people when they are up against adversity, whether it's happiness from sadness or vice versa. And considering how chipper and energetic the holderness has presented itself, something really fun about that moment that Taryn mentioned, or even last week with Penn at the roadblock, is that we see different sides of them that I would not necessarily say are bad. They're just more human. Yeah. And I think their self-awareness is really one of the things that makes them watchable. Like if they were, they were just, if you'd just been a diva about the whole thing and not talked about it, like the show could really have portrayed them in a terrible light. And it's probably good that they didn't, but they know how they're coming across at all times. And that certainly makes them a little bit more likable. Like they know, they know how this is going to play out. If they're screwing something up, they know people are going to be pointing and laughing, for instance. So that being said, uh, they did a whole vlog, of course, as they did last week on this week's race, both the leg proper and the shutdown. Here's some interesting facts. So we wondered, okay, why are they just staying in in Glasgow? Uh, And then I talked also about the, you know, missing task of them hitting the barrels with the hammer that we saw in the commercials. and. Yes, indeed, they confirmed it was from this leg. Uh, There was a portion of time where they were sent out of Glasgow to drive to this lock where they just, I think, hit a barrel with a hammer to, like, pop a cork out before driving back in. But evidently, there was a lot more driving than we had seen. And partially because it seems like there was a little bit of a fuddy-duddy on production's part. Uh, You know, a lot of the team's fell behind getting to what was the name like uh, Olan Moor or on Moor right the site of the roadblock and people are wondering why it's just in the middle of town apparently the address that production gave was wrong uh it led them to some sort of like bar that was outside of town and so if you're wondering why there's all these freakouts about we missed the highway why where is this place and the fact that Kim and Penn just stumbled upon it by accident is because it truly was by accident. They had been given the wrong location. Wow. Yeah. Um, to be fair, Mike, I think it was not that production gave them the wrong address. It was that the first thing that came up when people searched to get directions, when they asked mm-hmm, people to look for it was the one that was out of town. And the lock was, I believe it was Loch Lomond, which is kind of a famous lock. If you like Scottish things, they have a song about it. Oh, they do. Oh, yeah. They're, why didn't the kids perform that one? Instead of <laughs> I don't know. Cruisers? I, I think there's, I think everybody, everybody is, everybody's nether regions are completely clothed in that song. And it's less interesting. 
I guess so. Yeah, you got to even though the kids are performing it, you got sex cells in a way. And so if you got to find out where Donald's choosers are, that's what hooks them. Yeah, I and I know we're going to get added about this, Mike, um, because, you know, who doesn't love to talk about not wearing pants? But the whole point of the song is not you're walking around Donald ducking it. It's that you're wearing a kilt and not pants. And it's very weird to the cosmopolitan people. So just I just want to go on record that we know that. (laughs) So here's something really interesting. And maybe this should now be part of like every amazing race team's preparations from here on out. So Kim talked about how she took an orienteering slash map reading class pre-race. And she talked about like a lot of really interesting techniques that they use, particularly this idea of what was it like reassurance points, right? Where you sort of set up landmarks on the way from point A to point B of okay, we're going the right way, right? If we're using uh, the equivalent of stopping and asking someone for directions, if they say, okay, take a right at the McDonald's, you know, take a left at that highway sign, you check in with those locations on the way to make sure you're going the right direction. And they also talked about this idea of a backstop, which is essentially if you've hit the blue bar and you've gone too far. So every route you choose, you pick those points so that you never necessarily overshoot your spot. But yeah, Taryn, this this really surprised me. Just like not only how much preparation they did, but seemingly how much preparation the other teams did not when it came to this. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's it's always wild to me when people go on shows and they don't prepare uh, a ton. Um, you know, uh, you, you talk about the, the basic things like learning how to make you know fire on Survivor or mm-hmm. learning to drive stick uh, for the Amazing Race. Um, but there's all kinds of other stuff that like uh, people just like yeah, I'll just go, I will wing it. I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll go by the the, the seat of my uh, trousers, and um, you know, I, I just don't get that. I'm somebody that that uh, that loves to prepare for things, and I would absolutely, I, you know, I would be doing everything that I would, uh, you know, every possible conceivable percentage, uh, fraction of a percentage of an advantage that that I could get from uh, from. Per- preparing for something I, I would i would do it i mean it's it's a million dollars i mean uh so put some work in so that being said jess in the break considering how much was up in the air how many teams did you think try to really you know hone in on those skills like that and stick shift driving i mean i would certainly be stick shift driving if i had that gift but if Kim and Penn are smart, they did not mention the orienteering class to anybody because it seemed like that was a really big leg up. Um, I I think I would have been, I, I would have come back with a big list of things that I would want to learn and any of them that is plausible to learn during the blip, I would be practicing them. But there's also a lot of stuff that if you didn't learn it beforehand, you're going to be kind of screwed in the world of lockdowns. Yeah, that's that's true as well. You can't really like, do geocaching you know i yeah. think like that that idea sort of well, it's outdoors down. yeah i guess that is outdoors but uh you know or doing like escape room puzzles right like that's necessarily associated with the amazing race but still something that did not necessarily thrive during the time of covid yeah or something that i remember very vividly um friend of the podcast sarah leshner who ran season 13 with her then boyfriend she said that they went on a trip to like a foreign country a city they'd never been to and they purposely got themselves lost and then ha- tried to find their way back to their hotel um, just to make sure that they could do it um, under pressure. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, I mean, just, really just having experience in situations like that is huge because 
you're not going to be as frantic about like, well, this has never happened to me before. I don't know. Like uh, you've been there before you've done it, but that's why, you know, having run the race, even just a few legs can be an advantage, right? Because uh, you have that experience, um, especially, uh, you know, being able to sort of like get away from it and contemplate it, think about what you could have done, what you should have done, um, what you did wrong, uh, all, all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, all, all, especially when you're trapped inside for, you know, however many months they, they were like, uh, you got plenty of time to, to think about how to be better. So we talk a little bit about the way that the leg ends. And it's interesting, you know, Kim and Penn throughout their vlogs had been talking about how they had really been paying attention to like the on spread of COVID. Apparently they had a friend who was like an infectious disease expert who flat out told them before they went out, oh, you're not finishing. Oh, no way. It's it's not it's closing down like you're not going to be able to finish. They knew what was happening. And so they talk about like, obviously, a lot of their anxiety and shock upon everything happening. Apparently, just for safety, it seems like they did hang out in Scotland like a few extra days. They weren't immediately, immediately sent home just because they had to make all these arrangements to send a crew of thousands back to it. So they were able to bond with the cast in, in that way. And they did bring up something interesting that when they initially got the call to come back to the race, they said no, uh, because they thought it was way too dangerous. But the way they put it, when Bertram, uh, the showrunner, told them about all the protocols he had put in play, he said, well, that is actually safer than just hanging out in the U.S., which feels very relatable, I think, for people that are going on reality shows in 2021 and 2022. Very fair. Yeah, I mean, I was very jealous of the people that got to go in the Big Brother house last Mm. year because it was like, oh, wow, you get you get to be in quarantine for two weeks and then you're only around these same people and people do all your shopping and supplying for you. That's as safe as you're ever going to get. Yeah, and you yeah. get to like interact with people and like do <laughs> things. Be, yeah, yeah. You, you can hug to- complete strangers because you know they're isolating, same as you. So, like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's always comes around in, in Big Brother. But by the end, you're like, stop. We need to stop hugging each other. Like, I, I get it. I understand now. So, yeah, I, I very again highly encourage you to check out the Holderness Family vlogs if you haven't yet. I believe they're in podcast form. Uh, Jess, any other social media to dos for this week? Um, I had one thing that I thought was really funny. Like, I've been able to, especially now that switch to 9 p.m., I think I'm the only person who is happy about this. But the switch to 9 p.m. means I can watch the show in real time and I can live tweet the show. And so I wanted to highlight a reply to a tweet that I got from a friend of the podcast and two-time racer, Corey Cool, who says he was mortified thinking about the time he made backup dancers do a routine a hundred times. But imagine it being children. It's uh, it's really unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I had, noticed that they swapped the children out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least they had another Timmy, but um, it was going to be. I, I would feel really bad about that for sure. The, the children by the end, uh, even the swapped out children looked like they were so over it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and when they finally finished, like you could see one of them like. Put his hand on the other one's shoulders. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> oh, you got it. Oh, it's fine. You made it through. That's the thing. I I think it's one of these things where when you pretend to be one of these like extras or one of the men and like holding the phone in the phone booths right in the first leg, you're like, oh, this is great. I get TV time. I get to run into like quirky reality TV contestants. And then I think the amount of time just doesn't factor into that decision. And that by the time you finish, whether it's one of these tasks or whether you're just waiting around all day for these sweaty people to run up to you're like 
oh, this was a bad idea. What am I doing? Well, imagine being being somebody that's doing that, waiting for people to go, oh, they're going to show up to my business. This is going to be so fun. Uh, there was, I'm going to be on TV. And then nobody does it. Everybody does the other one. Yeah. You're just ne- as well. never, never, never on TV. You just <laughs> never show up. Yeah, or something, or like if you're advertising a business and people come in and like just massively screw it up or like <laughs> complain about, you know, your very own craft that you're doing. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe people do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's yeah, get into We know that Amazing Race contestants, not the most culturally sensitive. Absolutely not, especially back in those uh, those salad days, as it were. Uh, all yeah. right, well, let's let's get into some secret scenes here. I only have a couple, but these are fun to, to shed some light on the teams. Uh, I'll play this first one. So this is from Raquel and Kayla, the flight attendants. Now, a lot of these secret scenes are just Matt chat. Uh, so it's Phil. I'm happy we had a greeter this time because it allows Phil to make incredibly awkward conversation about like, look at this man. He's a very strong man. <laughs> Uh, he likes to lift boulders. He's incredibly strong. Uh, he does have a couple people do it, but Raquel has some very appropriate words to describe both the pit stop greeter and the country in which they just raced. This is there a tough, this is a tough as nails country. I mean, from the bagpipes to the to the everything was so to hard. The whiskey to the cast. temperature, the rain. Um. I mean, you guys are strong as nails, and I'm like, oh, I gotta shut my game up. <laughs> All right. So, do we think she meant this? Do we think she meant this? Well, this was before. This was before invoking the phrase "tough as nails" was guaranteed to get you airtime on Phil Kogan's show. Uh, because nobody knew this was a thing at that point. I guess that is true. Yeah, I'm trying to think. So Tough as Nails aired, I want to say in the in the summer of 2020, yeah. I think. Yeah, summer of 2020. Yeah, so that phrase, you're totally right. She had Maybe she predicted it. Do you think Phil Kogan was like, damn, that's hmm. a good phrase. That's a good phrase. Well, it's a good thing well, he didn't go with strong as nails. Yeah, I was going to say, as strong as nails, not as good. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not into it. No, I like I don't know. San is not necessarily as good of an acronym as can. Uh, so I mean, maybe Raquel should get IP credit though. Like she is the the Justin Timberlake of this, right? Saying like, just call it tough as nails. You know, drop the <laughs> the. This is the title that you should go with. Just embody embody yourself with the spirit of Scotland if you want to be tough as nails. I mean, we never we'll never know how long Phil has had the name tough as nails. How long he's been sitting on it, although. He might just up and tell us one of these days. He'll have a whole story yeah. behind it. It's very interesting. So, Taryn, have you ventured into Tough as Nails? Like you said, you felt almost beholden to watch Amazing Race back in the day due to your loyalty to the CBS reality franchise. But have you delved into those waters yet? I, I have not. I have not. Um, you know, nowadays there's, there's so much uh, reality TV out there that it's, uh, you know, I, I actually I don't even know the concept of it. I, I just like, honestly, it's the name kind of turns me away. Oh! Because uh, my idea of it is that this is about like working class people doing working class things. And, uh, and I think it's actually a competition, but that was not my initial impression of it. Uh, and I, I like competitions a lot more than I like, you know, whatever else no. reality shows are about. So uh, I, I kind of stayed away. Oh yeah. So it is, it is definitely not a dirty jobs type of thing. There is, I mean, That's you're not exactly too, what I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. So it's not too far away from what you're saying. Uh, even though there is a team called Dirty Hands on the show, but it is very much blue collar people doing blue collar things, but the blue collar things are a competition. It's like 
okay, the first team to put up this house wins the challenge, or the first person to electrically wire to this light bulb wins the challenge. So you're you're not too far away. Just add a competitive element to it. Yeah, sounds a lot more fun. I yeah, I mean, that. the only in fairness, the only reason all of us checked it out was because there was nothing else on. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's right there in our theme song for our recap podcast. But I'm so glad we did because look where it got us and look how much fun we've had with it. I would say the show itself is entertaining. But what I would do, Taryn, go back to season one and watch a couple of the episodes and then listen to Phil Kogan as the fourth chair on our recap podcasts. And I think that makes the show about 500 to a thousand times funner than it is just to watch it by itself. Yeah, I would say it's it's instrumental, uh, not to like pat ourselves on the back, but I do think it's very rare, even in this day and age, to like get the ear of someone making a show, especially in its first few seasons, and genuinely hearing from Phil about the planning stages and what he changed along the way was genuinely intriguing. So uh, I recommend you very much check that out. You think, Jess, we're going to get any like Highland Games-esque uh, challenges in in light of the strong man making his way back to the screen? I think it was probably planned for the next leg, but since they're not going back to Scotland and who can blame them, you know, thank you, Boris Johnson. Um, I, I hope that there's, I hope there's some Highland Games style stuff in the future. Yeah, because I think that was like a staple of a lot of their Scottish stuff, right? Because like the infamous yeah. switchback that I, they did was, I don't think it was in, I think it was, they was, it was in the Netherlands, but I see, seem to recall like a lot of stuff done in bogs and everything in Edinburgh. Yeah, I, I think they should make them caber toss at some point. Oh, yeah. I believe they actually did that in season three, I want to say. Yeah. That like one of the detours was doing yeah. Highland Games stuff. I think you're right. Uh, drop the three, keep the three. <laughs> I, yeah, actually, very true. Again, you brought the pants stuff last time. So uh, come come on, Flo and that guy. Come on back. Those are the familiar faces. <laughs> yeah, we talked uh, about bald snarking, too. Yeah, it's just that's the the term that uh, television without pity used when you switch detours back and forth multiple times. Yeah, I mean, we could get we could probably get Ken to come back and explain it to us himself. All right, well, let's move on here. Uh, I only have one more secret scene, but it's about a team, Ryan and Dusty, who I think with Anthony and Spencer gone, I think now Ryan and Dusty will be able to thrive a bit more. It's a bit like getting rid of the uh, the troublemakers, like partner in crime, almost that. They were so broy. They were kind of feeding into each other, those four guys. And now that Anthony and Spencer are gone, hopefully these guys will be able to, to shine a bit more and blend in a bit less. But uh, if you recall, they started the leg by getting on this seven-hour train ride, sleeping in cramped quarters. Happened to remind Ryan, you know, of uh, his time in a different place that has cramped be- bunk beds. And Ryan is going to recount on the number of of uh, bunkmates he had while in the clink and what number Dusty is in comparison to all that. I I counted out once. I think it was 22 sellies over the course of 10 years. Damn. Uh, all from one day, which is, uh, which is unfortunate because the time I had a celly for one day, it was actually a really good friend. And we were both like, we should keep the situation, but we were already, already getting moved. And then I had one for like four years. So uh, in varying times in between. It's crazy. In the hole, man, they just well, crazy dudes come and go. Hopefully you don't turn and burn me out of here. Maybe we can stick this out for a day. You're my celly number 23. That's right. MJ, baby. That's Wet man. jumpers. From my experience, 23 is not a good number. Numbers are bad, Mike. Yeah, exactly. But I just find that interesting that we talked about this with uh, Anthony and Spencer, right? How Spencer made the dark joke of like, it's not the worst train ride we've been on. But Taryn, Ryan's so cavalier of like, 
Yeah, you know, when I was in jail for 10 years, I had about 20, 22 roommates. I mean, that, that's it's it's part of his history, right? Like, it's just it's 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 something that he deals with every single day um, as as part of his history. And, and that's the sort of thing I would love to see on the show itself. Like, we have this incredible story uh, when he, when they introduced the story of this guy who was in jail for that or prison for that long. Um, I was I was astounded. I was like, this is an, an incredible story. Um, and I'm so interested to, to hear from this person and on the race, like this is what the amazing race does for me, at least uh, a lot of the time, he's just like an average bro. Like there's nothing that distinguishes this guy from any other just average, uh, contestant on the show. Um, but if we got actual, cause I'm sure that he's not right. Like we're getting yeah. stories like this where like he's on a train and it reminds him of Oh, when I was in prison for 10 years, uh, like that's fascinating. I would love to see more of that. Um, and even like the, you know, the train, like, oh, we get one joke about being on a train. But, you know, if I wasn't paying attention, I, I, there was a second where I was like, wait, why is that? Oh, right. You're that guy. Uh, you know, like I want to see more of their personalities beyond just how they're tackling the tasks at times. Uh, and, uh, and this is, this is, this is good stuff. It should be noted, Jess. So I believe, but in the interim period during the blip, I believe Ryan won his his you know wrongful arrest case. He won a lawsuit and uh, got a, a very handy payout. Do you think we're going to get any information about that during the season? They may they may bring it up, but I think he's probably not going to want people to know about that because it's more money than you typically win on the Amazing Race. I mean, very much so. Yeah, uh, you would. I would say it's equivalent to I think about a third of the run of the Amazing Race was the equivalent of the, the the money that he won from that lawsuit. But I just thought it was interesting when it comes to like how much people's lives have changed during the pandemic. Ryan's did, but in a very different way than everybody else. Yeah, well, it's good that they didn't all like. I, I don't know. Maybe it would have le- even the playing field if they all won huge lawsuits. <laughs> what lawsuit did you win during your 19 months away amazing race lawsuit edition yeah this exactly is, uh, this is his, uh, he's gonna become an influencer and he's gonna be like i i uh won a lawsuit that got me this much money and you can too <laughs> yeah exactly it's gonna become like the logan paul of like a wrongful arrest of like here's how you can do it here's the hacks you they gotta, do a collab with Salino and Barnes. When they question you, act really suspicious, so they put you in jail, and it's wrong, and then you're going to get lots of money. I tell, I'm telling exactly. you, so dark. Yeah, but listen, listen. You make you make light of the situation. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
All right. So to finish things out here, we got to turn to our fun and games corner here. Jess, I know you've got something prepared. It's very mysterious. I have no idea what we are in store for here. Yeah. Well, this is super mysterious. Yes. Um, I'm very excited about this. Um, any chance to hearken back to my Scottish roots, as it were. Um, and as, as I told Mike when I was sending him the files for this game, Taryn, I don't know where you're at with music. So you guys can certainly choose to play collaboratively or you can play against each other. It's really up to you. But I will tell you what the game is and then you can decide. So um, because they spent a great deal of time at a roadblock this week assembling bagpipes, I have collected audio clips of various popular songs being played on the bagpipes. Oh my and God. Your task will be to listen to these clips and tell me what song is being covered. What what uh, what is the uh, where's the sourcing behind this? Did you, you, do you have a bagpiper in your life? I mean, honestly, I wish that I I assumed that there would be hundreds of covers of popular songs to choose from, and sadly, bagpipes YouTube is a little bit sparser than I would have liked. But I did pick songs that I think will be pretty identifiable, um, and I will definitely give shout outs to the channels that I excerpted from because. They definitely, if it's something that entertains you as much as it entertains me, you definitely need to go do a deep dive because it's very, very fun. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I think probably collaborative is uh, that was what I thought. <laughs> you and I will work together like pipes sticking out of the bag. We'll try to yeah. create hot air together. I think a win for me will be, oh, I recognize that. I, I tried to get songs that are very recognizable, even to someone who spends their time on other pursuits as you do. Mm, okay. All right. Now I'm very intrigued to see, like, you know, how much uh, how much trap house music is being played on bagpipes. Like, what's the, I did what not choose any right trap, house, trap music. house music. I'd be better at any obscure music. <laughs> the more popular it is, the worse I'm going to get. <laughs> well, all right. With that, with that in mind, Mike, do you want to fire up clip one? Oh boy, here we go. Okay. Oh god. Darren, do you know I what that is? It. I mean, I know the song. I just I don't know what it's called or anything. It is, of course. Listen, I the gleek in me cannot not bring up Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Uh, the thing about bagpipes with me is that there's never not a held note. Like, they never take a moment to breathe. I guess that's the onus of the instrument in and of itself, but it's just so awkward to have these awkwardly held notes yeah. without any pause. Have that drone, and they all start with that drone, which I, I kind of enjoy it, but anyway, I want to give a shout-out here. The band that performed this is called the Red Hot Chili Pipers. And they have several great songs uh, out there on YouTube that I highly rec recommend. Wow. All right. Here comes clip two, Mike. Oh my God, Karen! Do you remember? Call me maybe. Yeah, yes. they go to Canada connections. Yes, great job, Karen. Um, yeah, I want to. Uh, I want to plug. There's a guy whose um, his YouTube name is 
E-A-M-O-D-E-C. I think that's Emodec. And he has a lot of these covers and really great sense of humor around this, like the stills that he puts up to advertise like what the video is. They are hilarious. So yeah, uh, call me maybe. So next up, Mike. This is a whole troop behind it. This is a group. Effort. Yeah. Well, this is the Claymore Pipes and Drums. And they were actually a band I had heard of before I went on this rabbit hole because they are one of the premier um, Scottish music acts out there. So, yes. What is this? I do know this one. This uh, in the jungle. Yes. Mighty jungle. The um, lions. Sir, Sir William right. Joel being covered on bagpipe. Who would have thought? Is, is that Billy Joel? Uh, I believe he sings a version of it. I don't know if it's like his original song, but yeah, no, it's a it's an older song. Like, oh wait, no, I'm thinking of uh, what you might call it. You're thinking Uh, of River of Dreams. I am thinking of River of Dreams. I don't know why I'm going with that nature iconography, but that's that's exactly what I mixed up with. Yes. All right, ready, ready for number four, Mike. Let's see what number four provides. Yeah, a lot of times what they do, like what these what these guys that are not like backed by a full pipe and drum ensemble, what they'll do is they'll just get the karaoke track and they'll play to that. Mm-hmm. Did you did you recognize that one, Taryn? I'd say it sounded I recognized it, but I could not tell you what it is. It is Bad Romance by Lady Gaga, is it not? It is. And that's um, the YouTuber is called Marine Sandpiper. And he's easy to find on YouTube because if you just type in bagpipe covers, all of his channel to all of his video titles are the official bagpipe cover. And I'm like, how yeah. do you get certified in that? I, I'm a little bit skeptical. I, I think he just has to be the first. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. So. Be- or you can just call it the official. I think that's all it takes. Yeah, I guess so. Like it's like world's best cup of coffee. Nobody's gonna check you on that. Yeah, exactly. Like so you think Buddy the Elf's gonna check out the video and be like, Congratulations! You're the yeah. official bagpipe cover of Lady Gaga, uh Lady Bag Bag. Yep, Lady Bag Bag. Um so we're gonna go back to the red hot chili pipers for this next one, Mike. This one has so many like same notes in it when you're I just think like a, that makes it good for bagpipes. I guess so, because you're not really changing much behind it. Taryn, do you recognize that one? Not at all. Uh that is Queen's We Will Rock You. It is. Oh. Yeah, it is a popular song. There's several bagpipe covers of that one out there. I think really? because of what we just talked about. Like multiple ensembles, but Red Hot Chili Pipers seem to be the most professional in their covers. Wow, Freddie Mercury rolling over in his grave feeling like this is the one song that got covered by bagpipes the most. It's true. There's one, I think this actually, this version of theirs is actually a medley of We Will Rock You and Eye of the Tiger. Oh, Eye of the Tiger, because I was going to say, it's usually We Will Rock You into We Are the Champions. Yeah, I don't think you could play We Are the Champions on the bagpipes. I'm not sure. I think it's too much, too many jumping around things. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go into clip number six. Yeah, yeah. 
Africa. I uh, okay. I need this cover ASAP. This is my new like ringtone. <laughs> yeah, I know this song. <laughs> All right, what is this song, Taryn? Uh, All Star by Smash yep. Mouth. Exactly. Yeah, now that- I'm, just, I'm really sad. The challenge All Stars ended this past week. Why did they not close out with the bagpipe cover of All Star? You screwed up, Buna Murray. Come on. I don't know. I, I hear Smash Mouth could probably use the royalties. Uh, anyway, uh, credit goes to Emo Deck again for that one, and he had several really good ones. I do feel like there is a, a rule, you know, uh, I guess, is it rule 23 the of of, of like covers where there's always going to be a cover of, of All Star, like whether yeah. it's something slowed down, whether it's it speeds up every time a lyric is said, whether it's something <laughs> on the bagpipes, there's always a cover of All Star that exists out there. It is really I, that. I was covering All Star in, in second grade. I could sing the whole thing. <laughs> See, there you go. It really is. It's like the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like for my generation, that was the Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme. Yeah, I mean, this would be if if they did, you know, International Amazing Race visits America, they'd have to take two little kids and they'd have to sing All Star by Smash Mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And then actual Smash Mouth would hand them the clue because they're not they don't have anything better to do. Exactly, they they perform alongside them like they did with the the Seven Nation Army band. They'd be like, all right, here you go, man. All right. Yep. All right. Clip num- Next up. Clip number seven. Yep. Yep. This just sounds like a glitch in the matrix. Like, what is that noise? <laughs> There's no rhythm to it. I, I mean, I, I have a guess, but Taryn, do you have anything? I mean, I for sure know the song. I have no idea okay, what it's called. Like, say, well, sing it to me, and I can like put a, a name to it. Let's let's do some symbiosis here. Uh, I don't know that I know the lyrics. So it's, uh, uh, oh, okay. Because I thought it was with a little help from my friends, but I think you're right. But I don't know the name of it. You guys, never been to a Red Sox game. Oh, Sweet, Sweet Caroline. Caroline. Yeah, Sweet Caroline. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. And then this, That's this last one. Into Red Sox games. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Former there Boston resident. Well, I haven't like either. Draining your honest, DNA. But, yeah. But um, yeah, this is credit goes to Jackson's Pipe Band. I think they're from Malta, which is kind of crazy, but oh, they have a great YouTube channel as well. Do so they play right. while they're running up grease poles? I don't believe that I've ever seen that happen, but I don't think you'd want to hurt your bagpipes either. Maybe that's where the recording came from. And while it sounds so odd is because they were running up poles while they were doing it. Could be, could be. All right, here's your final clip. And Mike, I think this one, I just thought, I, I think you will know it. I don't know that Taryn will, but I was so, I was so tickled by it. I had to include it. Outside of the modem noise that played last time, this might be the worst sounding clip that we've heard of. I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) Oh, yes. I know this one. Taryn, do you know this one? I actually did recognize it at the end, but I have, again, no idea what it's called or anything. Uh, This is a place they are not going in season 33, Africa by Toto. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, 
credit goes to Emo Deck for that one as well. And I, if you have enjoyed these, I, I really invite you to check out their YouTube channels because I had so much fun putting this together. And I hope that you guys don't hate me for making you listen to it. No, this should have I been mean, a task on the Amazing Race. Should have yeah, been. I mean, well, they had that music task last season. Yeah, right. Where you had to listen to the songs. In this case, it wouldn't be songs that you previously heard. It's more so just like songs that exist in the lexicon. Mm-hmm. It's a Western canon, guys. Yeah, exactly. So it could have happened. I'm going to finish out here with one more brief game since we have a smidge of time. And let's say on the Scottish note, as it were, this comes from the great Sarah Carradine, who sends in a lot of games here on the tar pit. We're going to play a game called Scott or Not. Now, Sarah has compiled a list of people and things, some of which are Scottish, some are not. Super simple. I'm going to go back and forth. You have to tell me whether or not this thing or person is Scottish. So, Jess, I'm going to start with you here. We'll try to do it rapid fire here. The Proclaimers, singers of uh, I'm Going to Be 500 Miles. That is correct. There's a great bagpipes cover of that as well. Oh, okay. So that really is speaking to the the homeland, as it were. Uh, Taryn, disposable contact lenses, Scott or not? Um, no. They are, actually. They are invented by Ron Hamilton. So thank you to the Scottish for allowing you to throw away your, your one-a-day contact lenses. Jesh, Treasure Island, the novel. Um, no, that's not Scottish. It is. Robert Louis Stevenson is Scottish. Huh. Uh, Karen, Pierce Brosnan, the actor. Oh, um, I think he, or no, uh, I'm going to, I don't think he's like just English. I think he's either Irish or Scottish. Um, I'm going to say no. You are correct. In many counts, he is Irish, not Scottish. Yeah. Jess, roll doll. Roll doll. No, he's not Scottish. Correct. He is Welsh. Uh, Taryn, the kaleidoscope. <laughs> um, I'll say yes. Yes, you are correct. Now look at all these things. I'm like, we could have had a kaleidoscope task. We could have had a disposable <laughs> contact lenses task. I got to think back. I read this book called How the Scots Invented the Modern World. And it was a long time ago. I need to read it again. All right, Jess, um, maybe that applies to the culinary arts. Chicken tikka masala, Scott or not? No. It is. What? Yeah, that's, that was a weird one, Sarah. So uh, I guess we learned something today. Apparently chicken tikka masala is Scottish. Well, I know it was probably like corrupted by the British. I just didn't think it made it that far north before it got corrupted. Yeah. It's uh, one of those things like New York pizza. Exactly. Uh, Taryn, something you might pair with this, box wine, Scott or not? Um, uh, I'll say yeah. It is not. It was invented by an Australian, which I think Sarah is very proud of. Uh, all right yeah sarah yes. would have done an, an australian or not game and they just would have all been australian <laughs> yeah exactly to just show again like you said how australians adventure the modern world uh yeah. jess i'm going to go back to music here for you the band simple minds yes and don't you forget about it that is correct uh taryn the hypodermic needle <laughs> yes that That's is not train correct. spotting i know what's up yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's very true, actually. Yeah. Thank you and, thanks to you and McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jess, Peter Pan, Scott or not? Mm, yes. That is correct. Taryn, 
the art, not an art, I guess, the act of fingerprinting, Scott or not? <laughs> act of fingerprinting. Um, yes. That is correct. I guess they called Scotland Yard for a reason. Uh, I guess they invented those high profile criminal uh, investigatory techniques. Uh, let's finish with a couple of food items here. Jess, scotch pie, Scott <laughs> or not? Mm, I'm going to say it's a trick question and no. As it was a trick, trick question, it is. Oh. Ah. <laughs> All right, final one, Taryn. Now, this is five to four. You have to get this one oh, if boy. you want to tie. Oh, are we keeping score? Uh, <laughs> I was, I think. Okay. Uh, a scotch bonnet. Is that Scott or not? Uh, no. That is correct. It is a Jamaican yes. chili pepper. That one I knew. And I think for this sake, uh, much like everyone sort of ended the race in the same spot, we're going to end it here with both of you get a win here. How uh, many no questions were there? Because literally every single one of mine was a guess except for Pierce Brosnan. Uh, I believe there were, let's see, I want to say uh, 12, I think, overall. So you each got you each got one wrong, I think. So Wow. <laughs> Not bad. Congratulations. You are, you are masters of Scotland in so many ways. Uh, you oh, have carried yeah. that 100-pound boulder on your backs. All right, special shout out to Sarah Carradine, by the way, for that game. Very fun. If you have any ideas for Tar Pit games, because I have been asked a couple times actually this past week about like sending in feedback, sending in game ideas, you can always email us amazingrace at robhasawebsite.com. Uh, that links to me and Jess and Rob's email. So if you have any thoughts as to like random malarkey filled geographic things that we can do, as was very indicative over the past 10 minutes, we are more than happy to do so. Uh, so that being said, we're going to start to bid things adieu now. Phil Kogan is here. All the cameramen are lined up to give us the big announcement that we're going to go away and become better people, perhaps, when we come back. But, Taryn, this was so much fun to get to see the amazing race fan in you come on out ever since those days in, you know, 2001. You obviously have a lot going on. We were very lucky to grab you before really, you know, a huge wave of content comes your way starting in February. If you want to catch up on what you're doing currently and what's to come in the next little while, how can people follow you? Uh, well, I, I started a YouTube channel uh, called Terrence Quest. I'm, I'm just uh, I'm reviewing, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, books, TV shows, movies, whatever. If you want my thoughts on those? Uh, I'm having a lot of fun over there. You can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Aaron Armstrong where I'm watching The Amazing Race live, so you can watch with me. Uh, and uh, we, we all watch together. We chat about it as it happens. It's very fun. Um, and, uh, you know, find me on Twitter at Armstrong Taren. I also, I had one question. Um, yes. Uh, uh, it, it can be a brief question. Uh, but why, why don't they, on The Amazing Race, show, like, uh, especially when they're self-driving, like where they are located on a map? Right. Like when oh, somebody is way lost, like I want to know, I want to see visually that they're like way out there. And that's why it took them this long to get here. Um, even if they have to fudge it a little to like be consistent with things they cut out or whatever they need to do. I would just like to visually see uh, sometimes vi like physically where people are. Well, my thought on why they don't do that is that. Sometimes they want to make a bigger deal out of being lost than is actually happening. And this was something I actually I spoke to the Twinnies about this way back in the day, because there was a in the penultimate episode of their first season. There was a whole thing where they were purported to be like unable to drive their car and super lost and yelling at each other. And they said, 
I don't know if you noticed this, but they showed the same clip about three times. We mm. were lost for like two minutes and we got right back on there, but they needed to gin up some drama. And so that's one of the reasons. Like, they don't want us to know how lost you really were or not. I think it's just a little bit too much of a peek under the hood. And yeah, the- I remember one time I feel like it would have really benefited from it. And that is season seven when the when those girls got lost driving in the wrong direction for several yeah. hours. Yeah, when they drove like uh, they drove like, oh, we're in the mountains. We shouldn't be going into the mountains. We should be going down to the river. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be nice. I do think we I think we actually had it last season. I may be wrong here. I feel like when Michelle and Victoria got super lost in France, I feel like we did have briefly the Mario Kart map and their mm. their dot just sort of like driving around all these places. I might be wrong, but I agree it's used like fairly sparingly uh, and maybe you know I understand from Jess's perspective like they want to try to keep things in suspense but sometimes it's nice to get an indicator of like how truly lost someone might be in comparison to how lost they actually are yeah and like I, you know, I don't know I I feel like uh, again like you can I don't care if they fake it a little bit right like uh, in order to to keep consistent um, I wouldn't I also wouldn't mind seeing like oh this team is really stuck. They're really lost. But in reality, they're right next to the pit stop. They just mm-hmm. don't realize it. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they can play that up. Uh, I, I just feel like uh, it would be fun. Yeah, I think in certain circumstances, it definitely could be fun, especially if multiple teams are lost and the thing is right there. I mm-hmm. think that's really fun. So, Karen, I know that you have also, you know, done your own little reboot in a manner of speaking. You're in your own little Swiss palace, bringing back the Terran show uh, for people that are not in the know as to, you know, what you're doing. You want to briefly describe it and, and who you've been talking to the past few weeks? Uh, yeah, the, the Terran show is back. Uh, I, I made it a few years ago talking to, you know, people from reality TV, uh, from Big Brother, Survivor. Uh, I don't think I've done anyone from The Amazing Race. I actually had somebody from The Amazing Race reach out to me once, but then it never happened. Mm. Um, uh, but, uh, but it's very fun. Um, you know, I talked to, I have already released some episodes when I talked to Tiffany from the most recent season of Big Brother, which was uh, amazing. Uh, I recently just talked to, uh, my friend Brendan, who is an actor who has worked with like Nicolas Cage and he was on the OA and, uh, other movies and things. Um, and he talked about like how we got into acting and everything, which was very fun. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got, I've got more, lots more to come. I've got a bunch of them recorded. So. Uh, they're very fun. It's it's just it's an opportunity for you to be able to sort of get to know these people outside of the context of their show or profession or, uh, you know, whatever it is that they're creating for you. Um, and uh, and just like just have a conversation. It's uh, it's a good time. And uh, you should check it out. The Terran yeah. Show. And that brings things back full circle to like what you want out of the amazing race. Right. It's like to see the person mm-hmm. rather than the character. And I think that that's that's the the intention of the show. And I think it, it carries through well. Thank you. Uh, and then, of course, a Celebrity Big Brother's coming. We're all going to be covering that, you know, once the information comes out. So suffice it to say, if you're a fan of CBS reality, this is just the beginning of what you're going to see of Taryn. Uh, Jess and I have already given our plugs during the recap podcast. Of course, if for some reason you're checking this out out of order, check out the recap podcast where the two of us and Rob talk through the leg. Uh, Jess, was there anything else you wanted to, to add before we fully close out week two of The Amazing Race 33? I mean... Just add our social handles because we love to hear from you there. Uh, Mike's at Mike Bloom type. I'm at Haymaker Hattie. Uh, I very, very, I'm very much only doing this right now. And that's more than enough for me. 
Yeah, so let us know your thoughts on The Amazing Race and, and the podcast proper. It, it's really nice to, to engage in a lot of discourse uh, with, with people about their thoughts on the season, especially newbies. It does feel like every season we have more and more people sort of hopping on board. Maybe it's due to the reality TV connections. Maybe it's there's nothing else on. Uh, and so it's really nice to like do The Amazing Race 101 uh, and talk about these sort of things. And we'll continue to do those throughout the season, including the Tar Pits. These have been really fun to do and bring back. And it's been very fun to to talk with Taryn today about everything from leg three. So that being said, me, Jess, and Rob will be back next Thursday uh, talking about leg four, the first leg of Amazing Race 33.2 as we are in Switzerland. We finally get to see what this new version of the Amazing Race looks like. I'm very intrigued by it because there are several questions that need to be answered, and we shall see if, if that is the case. Otherwise, check out all the other stuff going on on Rob Has a Podcast. Rob has finally been able to begin his survivor 41 deep dives and they have been uh voluminous in nature he already has two out i believe with many more to come as well as coverage of all the other stuff on reality tv rehab ups that being said thank you all so much for listening we'll be back next week covering leg four week three of the amazing Miss 33 and hopefully a tar pit to go alongside it we'll give details about that tbd uh, if we get a guest for during that recap podcast uh you know what to, to play us out, I think let's go to my personal favorite clip. Uh, let's go to the sweet dulcet tones of the bagpipes to see us off. Thank you all so much. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.